Welcome to Show Me the Money with Michael Dirk. Show Me the Money is a podcast that is bringing in industry leaders in the commercial real estate sector that are either on the financing side, the development side, the acquisition side, disposition, brokers, investors, bankers, management companies, everyone that's in and out of the the business and all um, facets of the trade so that hopefully you can benefit if you're looking to grow your business, start your business, or maybe transition into something else. On this episode of Show Me the Money, we are going to be interviewing Mr. Marco Vartanian, who is the president and CEO of Sullivan Properties. Marco has expansive knowledge and experience in management. So I think if you want to own and operate your own apartment building today, you may be second guessing that, or you may be looking at someone um, like Marco in this instance to take advantage of his expertise and see what's happening day in and day out from the management company style, which is really the key of Um, owning a property that needs management. That's where the rubber hits the road and that's where you're going to make money at the end of the day. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fifth episode of Show Me the Money. I'm your host, Michael Dirk. Our guest today is Mr. Marco Vartanian. He is the president and CEO of Sullivan Property Management, an apartment management firm headquartered in Santa Ana, California, In his capacity, Marco manages Sullivan, geographic expansion, and guides its strategic direction by adopting institutional operating controls and property technology systems. Sullivan has established itself as one of the Southern California's leading apartment management firms, overseeing over 5,000 units throughout the region. With 22 years of real estate management investment and leadership experience, Marco is notably recognized as an operational pioneer and technological innovator in the formation of the single-family home rental industry. As Executive Vice President of Property Management at Invitation Homes, mostly owned by Blackstone, ticker INVH, from 2011 through 2018, Marco was instrumental in the company's rapid growth from operating and managing 2,000 rental homes to over 82,000 homes nationwide. Prior to joining Invitation Homes, Marco was Vice President of Asset Management at Buchanan Street Partners, where he managed a portfolio of multifamily and commercial properties across the United States. Marco brings additional principal experience from McGuire Properties and commercial brokerage experience from Cushman and Wakefield. Marco holds a BS in administration from the University of Southern California's Marshall School of Business. Marco is a frequent speaker on the technological evolution of the apartment industry and in 2016 received the UCI Irvine Center for Real Estate Rising Star Award. Marco lives in Dana Point with his wife and three young children. Marco, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, you know, Marco and I met about five years ago now speaking on a panel together and it was, uh, I don't want to say love at first sight, but we really (laughs) hit it off on the panel and knew at that time we were going to be doing a lot of business together. And subsequently, since that time, we probably have worked on probably almost 100 transactions yeah, together over the years in a very short time frame. So a lot of respect for you business-wise, and it's um, it's been a great run. So thank you for everything, first and foremost, to start off. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on is when you bought the company from Joe Sullivan you know, years ago, the company had 900 doors and now you have over 5,000 doors under management owning and operating in Southern California. So if you can maybe just touch on that coming out of the gate, I'd love to 
the audience to hear that. Yeah. And um, as you described um, in my background, I was an um, early employee of a company that was really a pioneer in the evolution of the single family rental industry. And um, so that was from 2012 to the end of 2018, which ultimately became a large public REIT. And at the end of 2018, it had kind of felt like it was time, for, you know, I had had my run of, of public company life. And um, what I learned is, you know, scaling a business is, is really intoxicating and an amazing ride. But then running a large distributed, you know, public animal to $22 billion public REIT was just for me personally, not as invigorating. Like I didn't, it didn't feed my soul as much. Um, Although, you know, financially it was a great place to be. Um, It just didn't speak to me um, like the build phase of creating the company. And so um, early 2019, I met um, Joe Sullivan actually at an apartment conference. And um, he said, yeah, I'm thinking about selling my management company. And I was, I was working on a small multifamily fund um, to just buy, um, small unit apartment buildings throughout Southern California. I see, I still see a direct analog to what we built in um, single family in small multi. Um, but you have this specifically in Southern California because you have this high density of apartment buildings here. And so in meeting Joe Sullivan, I thought, well, this is interesting. He wants to retire. And through all those lessons learned of the way that we used um, people, process, and technology in my previous company, I thought, well, what if I just apply a lot of that knowledge um, and operating expertise to what heretofore was, you know, a pretty quiet kind of um, stayed um, industry in residential fee management? And so we bought that company. I bought the company uh, in early 2019. It was a 43 old management company, which was really important. Our average client tenure remains today about 19 years. So it obviously predates me. That's incredible. That's a long run. Yeah. yeah. And then just set about um, saying, okay, what can we improve from a personnel perspective? What can we improve from technology? How do we pull a company into, you know, 2020? And, uh, and then had a lot of organic growth. You know, I think the foundation is relationships. Like we've talked, uh, like you mentioned, um, just how much time we've spent together. And um, that's really been a significant catalyst for our growth. We don't do any advertising. Right. Um, most question I get is like, who's Sullivan? Like you're right. not, you don't look like a Sullivan. So um, that's uh, always entertaining. But uh, yeah, we continue to, to grow that business. And it's been um all the fulfillment that I felt when we were in the early days of single family, I've obviously felt um, building this company over the last three and a half years. That's great. And for you saying no marketing to go from 900 to 5,000 yeah. units, if you actually did put that out on scale on a marketing basis, you know, obviously you could probably take it exponentially greater from where you are today. So again, hats off to you there. And that's, yeah. um, that's really impressive. What, um, what does it look like for you in regards to managing multifamily properties? You know, this year, obviously, with, you know, unemployment on the rise and interest rates on the rise, transaction volume not really being there from the multifamily side, mm-hmm. people are looking to, you know, really kind of hold assets more than buy, sell, even refinance into higher rates. You know, how does that look right now? What are you hearing, first and foremost, from the street, yeah. from your principles of 19 plus years? What are they, what are they looking at? What do they want? Yeah, obviously consistency. Like if you think of like 
why the attributes of why you would invest in a multifamily apartment building to begin with. Um, it'd be for, you know, durability of cash flow, security of an investment and an income stream. And so um, every day that's what our owners are calling us for. That's why they've engaged us to um, preserve that. I think the big challenge over the last year and continues to be as we go into 23 is just the uncertainty um, that they're facing more specifically on the expense side. We've just seen inflation creep, um, everything from materials, obviously labor is constrained for a lot of the people that, you know, have to be on property and the things that we're doing, whether that be maintenance or construction. And so there's concern there. The revenue side of the ledger has held up. Um, okay. Rents are continuing to to stay um, consistent. I would say we are seeing when we are pushing a rent where if we're trying to really like lead the market to a rent that yep. um, for a product type that the market hasn't seen, um, that's taking a bit longer. And then as we look at our portfolio between A, B, and C class buildings, it's really interesting that the class B building is faring the best. And so okay. we're starting to see some chop in our, our, our lowest quality buildings um, in longer, um, you know, absorption to, to re-rent. Um, collections, we're, we're so grooved coming off of COVID collections that that seems to be holding. Okay. And then we're seeing it our class A buildings are very, very high-end stuff. Rent bands that are north of $4,000, those are starting to take more time. Yeah. And I just think that's a function of, you know, the economy and people are being a little more watchful. Yeah. Um, but that class B down the middle, you know, vanilla working, you know, consistent building, those uh, are doing just fine. And, and I don't see yeah. anything on the horizon that should change that. Well, the nice thing about class B is that people can maybe group and get together and go from C to B, and then people can transition down from A to B. Thousand so percent. B and my so most successful investors over the years, I've been doing this 22 years now, really focus on making the best B property, low density B property, especially in Southern California here, like in Orange County and whatnot. It's, um, it's fared extremely well. Yeah. And think of how many different resident profiles can fit a yes. $2,000 rent, right? right? You can have doubling yes. up, you can have roommates, you can have a mother-in-law, you can have, um, siblings, you can have, you know, dual works. There's right. just so many profiles. Um, when you're at the tails, um, that air pocket is, is slimmer. There's yes. just fewer people wanting a $6,000 right. unit in Balboa than there are a $2,000 unit in Fullerton. A hundred percent. Yeah. Your, your pool is much larger and you, you touched on the collections revenues. Okay. You talked about expenses as far as labor and whatnot, but also as far as, you know, I know utilities have been really ticking up. I've been hearing more about utility costs. Insurance, I know, has ticked up. Mm -hmm. um, I think supplemental taxes are being ticked on to things. It's, it's you know, the underwriting as far as the expense load goes, it's all about the bottom line. And the expenses I see on underwriting deals, Zach and, and Daisy and our team, we're always looking, analyzing tons of deals on a weekly basis. And we're starting to see those numbers creep up pretty significantly that is hitting the bottom line, which in turn hurts the debt load, which in turn hurts the overall rate of return for an investor today, especially with higher interest rates. So are you seeing that and starting to hear that from, from clients? Yeah, we are. And I mean, if you think about it, we've been a bit spoiled as an industry over the last three to five years because you've had 
high rent growth in yep. a low inflation environment. So you've yes. kind of been able to get everything you would ever dream of on the revenue side, yes. but your expenses have stayed fairly consistent. Yes. And I think so much of it for us as a management company is just a reminder to owners that, hey, we've had it great for three to five years on the revenue side. We've right. been able to command rents that are significantly higher than any of us could have underwritten yes. or imagined. Yes. And now expenses are, are eating into some of that. And so the goal of the day for us operationally today is maintain revenue consistently, maintain okay. high occupancy, move rents where we can, right. don't gouge, don't go too far on rent right. growth, but do it in a way that's consistent and yes. healthy and keeps you ahead there to offset that maintenance, your other expense lines that are inevitably going right. up. We have less control over those those variable expenses. Yes, and it's 100% true because it's not just the cost of living that's going up as far as someone's home, right? It's their cost of food. It's their cost of travel. Right. It's the cost of gas. All these variables are coming in to hit the average worker today that's out there just trying to make it. Savings is really dwindling for most people. And, you know, it's a grave concern, especially here in California. Yeah, if there was something, if you said, Marco, what keeps you up at night? It's just, it's what you just said. Because if you think of these class B buildings and what we're talking about, just the durability of that cash flow, you think of all the different demands, whether it be higher gas prices, et cetera, um, they have a fixed income. Yes. And so um, what could hurt our business, I'll say our industry, um, is if we start to see those take up so much of their disposable income that they're no longer able um, to justify our rents. Right. You could see some doubling up. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. And so um, I think unemployment is the one metric to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. um, and when you think of unemployment, the headlines are, you know, Google lays off 15,000 people and, you know, but it, these are minnows in the right. pool of unemployment. Yes. It's really um, watch things like um, your, you know, labor demographics of hospitality, um, restaurants, um, you know, core function jobs, maintenance, um, skills trades. Watch, watch those labor markets because right. if those start to slip, then I think our apartment business will be right behind. We'll start to see that hundred percent through. So, yeah. But so far we haven't seen that. Right. Which is good Th right now good at the so present far. moment, because we're in such a supply constrained area right here That's in right. Southern California. But if you go to more of a tertiary market, I think you're going to start to, to see those things crack here in the very, very near term. Hopefully not, but that's just kind of what we're seeing firsthand. Um, can you give an example of technology and how much of an impact it's had? Because I think Sullivan may be something that differentiates it from all the other management companies. And that's really what people want to know. And that's what people, you know, ask me and my team. So, Michael, why, you know, why are you different than any other lender in the market or whatnot or, or other brokers that are doing your business? What differentiates you and how are you leveraging technology to differentiate yourself? Yeah, great question. You know, I think in the early goings um, of our last company, um, we just recognized very early on that the resident, if you think of my business, right, we have two customers, right? We have owner clients and then we have residents who live in our 5,000 apartment units. Yeah. And it's really the resident experience which has forced owners and operators like mine to adapt quickly to technology because the best resident prospect who's ordering dinner, they're ordering their ride, they're going out on dates, they're doing everything, right. they're interacting wholly, sure. really online through their phone. 
Then they go to rent an apartment. Well, they absolutely expect to have that same touchless experience, fast response, um, all the things that benefits that technology brings. So early on, we we view that as um, just a table stake in, in my business. And that's helped our owners adapt because Oftentimes an owner says, well, why do I need all that? Like I've been running my business on a right. yellow pad for 30 years. Like, what do I need technology put, put for? Put the sign on the right, front lawn and, and they'll just drive by right. it, right? Yeah. And so, um, but in today's market, the best resident prospects, the, the residents that you want in your building, they're engaged in technology. They're finding you online. Yep. They want to apply online. They want to tour online. Right. One example for us is... Um, Self-show. And so today um, we do about a third of our showings through an app um, that's basically a, a lockbox that gives a, a one-hour rolling code oh. um, for a resident prospect to see our apartment units. Okay, Can't do it for every building, but um, there's an example of something where... You would think five years ago that was like, what? How, right. you, how would you even So they show it? up by themselves and they yeah. get to view the apartment. No one from your team or anyone's there, they just show up, walk around and then just leave and it just locks. That's correct. Wow. And so, um, now you pre-screen the heck out of it. There's right. a bunch of steps. You don't just, say you don't want to like bring in the bed and be like, Oh, this is mine now. Like squatting. <laughs> no, no. Thankfully that's not an issue. Okay, we've, good. We've solved that. Um, okay. and, um, you know, my last company we did, um, years of this, um, and it was out of necessity in the single family business. If you think of 82,000 rooftops all over the country. Right. Um, and then it's evolved to where we've adapted it for the apartment business. So that's an example. The other piece is um, AI. Um, we use um, a different leasing. We have an AI leasing tool that helps prospect. Um, and then you're starting to see a big push in AI, excuse me, with maintenance. And so these are before a maintenance technician ever even goes to the property. Um, the resident has interacted with us through their phone. They've uploaded videos of their issues. These are all things that are shrinking um, the decision-making and the variability of uh, maintenance. Okay. And why that's important is because as our costs go up in other areas, mm -hmm. technology is allowing us to like be more efficient so that we can save some cost in other okay. areas. Got it. One other thing, too, that I did want to touch on as far as you know, billing tenants back. So it's just not that rental rate, right? Someone's going in to walk into the two bedroom unit for 2,500 bucks a month, but that's not it because now you're billing back for all these rubs, right? So you're billing back for the water and the trash and electric, all these common area amenities, which helps a landlord, but in turn as a renter, putting more pressure on them. If you can touch on that, even water, the cost of water is going to go up exponential, obviously, in years to come. And how are you mitigating that? You know, how are tenants perceiving that? Because now it's not 2,500 bucks, it's 27, $2,800. And obviously as an investor, as a landlord, great. But again, if you maybe you could touch base on maybe the tenant and landlord side, how that's perceived today. Yeah, so it's interesting. Every year, our percentage of buildings that are using a rubs program um, continue to grow. And again, back to technology, 30 years ago, how would you pro rata utilities? You could do it by hand, right. but it was, it was really complex. And yes. today, technology is able to upload a building, put your rent roll through it, and you're able to, there's third-party companies that we work with that we're able to administer a rubs program much more efficiently. 
Um, Even on smaller assets, it's historically the REITs and institutional properties of 100 plus units. Yeah, no problem. They have all these fancy systems. But on an eight or 10 unit building today, that could be a differentiator on an overall rate of return for an investor, even to maybe not buy it or buy it today, because it that growth and utility factor is huge if it's hitting either the lender or I'm sorry, the owner or the uh, the tenant. Yeah. And what we do is um, we message right up front to the resident prospect um, that the building has a rubs program. What's interesting is um, utilities costs come down overall. Once a resident realizes, oh, I'm paying my pro rata of water, they're no longer, you know, taking quite as much water usage right. because it's it's different when the landlord's paying the water. Right. So I think for the environment, it's probably a good thing. It is. Um, and we just try to be um, clear about it, uh, upfront, transparent, which is a theme of our company, whether it be the resident or the owner. We just try to be very upfront and treat people, you know, the way that we would want to be treated. Um, and then we also look at the rubs expenses. There are you know, ratios or, or there are amounts that rubs, a good pro, a good rubs program should come in around no more than about 70 ish dollars. It depends on the building. Um, but on a basic class B $2,000 a month type property, you want to try to keep your rubs program as efficient as possible, even if you have to subsidize a bit of it, sure. because to your point, Michael, there can be sticker shock where they're paying your high rent. Now, now if you try to jam yeah. them for hundred percent of your rubs, yeah. it just, uh, you really want to be selective. And I think the market we're heading into is even more reason why you want to be thoughtful about your overall right. charges that you're putting through to your resident. A hundred percent. Cause landlords have been, it's been a pretty frothy market. You said the past five years, I would argue maybe the past nine or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's been very landlord friendly because the market's just been on a ferocious rip going up. Now we're leveling off and actually transitioning down as far as interest rates versus cap rates go. And the velocity of the deals going on right now are not, it's just not there. So I think if we start to see vacancy, everyone underwrites this 5% market vacancy. Some people do 3% if the rents are significantly below market. But in reality, if you're looking at a lender underwriting standpoint, if you go north of 5% on your actual vacancy, then you actually go on collections more than 5%. Now we're starting to see a different balance sheet from an investor standpoint, and the landscape starting to change with costs going up, vacancy going up, and potentially rents leveling out. Those are things that we really have to watch closely. Obviously, from the financing standpoint, some things we've been able to do to bridge this gap over the last you know, four or five years has been the basis of using interest-only financing. Interest-only financing, your payment's about 40% less than a principal and interest payment, which really helps investors take advantage of that. While people are going to be rolling off these interest-only payments, which most people, if they haven't taken advantage of long-term I.O. over the last one or two years, in the next 12 to 36 months, a lot of them are going to be rolling off interest-only. So these payments are going to be effectively doubling. Yeah. Or they have to refinance into a higher interest rate market. Who knows where rates go? But just something to look at. You know, um, kind of moving into... If you were advising someone to go into commercial real estate and based on your experience and what what you did, sure. you know, back in the day at Buchanan and whatnot, McGuire and Invitation Homes, I mean, you have a, a pretty impressive resume of what you've done over your career. Now, buying companies, working effectively for yourself, managing a large company and growing that to scale. 
what would you advise someone today? Because a lot of our you know listeners out there may not be top executives and CEOs. Some people are just getting in the business or thinking about getting in the business. What would you advise them to do? Yeah, I think with the benefit of time, if I had the benefit of time, here's what I would do. Um, in my 20s, I would try everything to find something that I really enjoyed, um, something that I was interested in and that I, th- I think um, has the potential to become good at. And so the other piece of the puzzle is in your 20s, um, use that as an opportunity to become a working professional, like learn the vocabulary of some industries, learn how industries work, um, and try to build your skills in your 20s. In your 30s, you should really take something and develop some level of mastery. So I would figure out what I wanted to do in my 20s. In my 30s, I would then develop mastery and really anchor, hone in on an industry and learn the nuances of the players, how the industry works, which companies um, are moving it. And then in your 40s, the goal is to take all the lessons learned from your 30s and that mastery and then convert it into something that you'd like to do either for yourself um, or really then have the market then reward you, whether that be compensation, recognition, whatever your motivator is, um, you would then convert all that experience that you gleaned um, from your 30s, you would then convert that um, to whatever you're ultimately most passionate about doing in your 40s and beyond. And so that's sort of how I would think about it. I think you want to be bullish in your early years about massive failures and trying as many different things as you can and trying to solve, you know, your why, like, what are you interested in? Why are you interested in it? Yes. Um, So you better be willing to put the time and an effort and be ready to fail and work exponentially longer hours than anyone. Right. And so like, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's amazing advice, but working harder and longer and getting uncomfortable is where you're going to grow. Yeah. That's where it's all going to happen. So great advice there. And then, you know, kind of switching into Marco, I know you're also an investor in real estate as well. So you put your money where your mouth is and not just tell clients what they should be doing with their properties. You actually do it yourself, which is great. And that's what I love talking to clients about and talking from personal experience. Well, this is what I've done on my property. It's been great. Or, you know, this is what I've done on my property. It's been horrible. I failed miserably. I think clients and principals that you work with over the years really appreciate where you've been able to step up, put your own money there instead of just talking about things, actually investing. So maybe if you can touch on some things in your investment career that have been maybe both good and bad, just as a high level, a couple things would be, would be great. I think people would love to hear that. Yeah. I think, um, I'll use some examples from my previous company and then, um, what we've been, what I've been working on for the last few years, but I think, when it comes to investing in real estate, um, my philosophy early on is you just identify the center of any area. So identify the core movers. So if let's say you were focused on LA, you would basically put a ring around core Los Angeles and then look at concentric rings that kind of feed off of that, that core, that center. And if you're making a real estate investment, ask yourself, how far away, like how many concentric rings am I out? So I'll give you an example. In my last company, I was tasked in the early days with, we were buying um, thousands of single family homes all over the country. And being from Southern California, I was bullish on what we were doing in SoCal. 
we started buying houses. This was early in our company. Um, we were buying houses in the high desert. And so wow. I was looking at returns in core Los Angeles and I thought, wow, I can get like 250 bips higher yield if we push out into deep like Hesperia, Barstow, like at that point, that was the right. desert market. Sure. And so on paper, it looked really attractive. What I didn't underwrite, I was much younger in my career. What I didn't underwrite is the thrash of operating something like that and trying to get labor out there and trying to get resources collecting to manage, that collecting the red. Um, <laughs> yeah. Everything on paper looks great right. until and, reality sets and in. And in hindsight, it's like I was seven concentric rings out from the core of Los Angeles County. Like right. I, in hindsight, it's so obvious. And then also learned um, Buchanan Street was such a great like learning ground uh, because um, being a significant private equity shop, we underwrote a lot of real estate investments and we had a really strong investment committee and really some of the smartest guys in the country have come through Buchanan Street over the yes. years. Great company. And what Buchanan Street's investment committee taught me very early on was assess what type of risk you're taking are you taking asset risk because the property needs a big value add rehab? Are you taking geography risk? In my example of like, well, I'm, I'm way out in the high desert. At that time we were providing joint venture equity. So we would ask ourselves, are we taking sponsor risk? Does this, does this sponsor not have maybe as much experience in navigating or operating this type of business plan? So pick one and know that's the risk you're taking. But don't ever take all three. Right. So don't take That's property a risk, for disaster, right? geography risk, right. and sponsor risk. Yeah. And so really bifurcate when you're looking at a new investment, um, which risk you're taking um, and lean into that and ask yourself, well, how bad could it go on my you know, downside scenario? How bad could it go if this element of the risk I'm taking um, doesn't come to pass? And so that's really helped me you know, my personal investments also. All right. Well, that's great to hear. And people love to hear, you know, the personal stories as well as just, you know, operating the business as well. And, you know, again, I, I got to say thank you. The investors I've introduced you to over the years have been extremely happy with your performance. It's been, it's been really well received and I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm personally an investor in probably a dozen properties that you manage as well for us. Yeah. I know we're partners on a deal. So, it's great to be able to work closely with someone who's so in tune to their business and so passionate about it as I am as well on the financing side. So I really do appreciate yeah, that. It's um, it's been great to work with you over the years. Um, also, you know, maybe looking out into twenty three and twenty four, what what do you see Sullivan doing, and and what is it all about, and where do you want it to go from here? So sure. you've gone from 900 to 5,000. So are we going from 5,000 to 10,000? Are we buying companies? Are we, you know, are we looking yeah. to sell? Like what, what are we doing there? And then as far as branding goes, and maybe if you want to touch on maybe the, the marketing aspect of that, what, what does that look like for Sullivan? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we get calls constantly about, Hey, will you manage our commercial property? Hey, will you do brokerage? Hey, will you do all these things? And I think a lot of operators, um, in, in my universe, they try to be an emporium of all these things to all people. And for better or worse, I really have 
leaned into kind of the in and out burger model, which is if you want a cheeseburger, fries and a shake, like you can get a pretty good one at in and out. Right. There's not eight. You're not going to get a quesadilla. Like right. there's not 27 menu items. Right. And so our view is we want to be the absolute best in class, the best there is, the best that has ever played this game right. at managing apartments. And Got that's it. who we are. That's what we do. So we end up saying no to the majority of opportunities um, that come our way. The challenge with um, doing that is you're trying to do this simultaneously. So you're scaling a company. Right. And at the same time, you're trying to develop mastery of what you do. And they kind of are in conflict with each other, right? Yes. Because you have a lot of attention and resources going to building your business. Right. But then you, you have to also make sure that you're managing it and well. Um, I think of that quote, it was, it was like Hewlett Packard. It was either Hewlett or Packard. They said more companies die of indigestion than they do starvation. Hmm. And the thought there is, you know, you want to scale quickly, but you want to do it in a way that you don't like tip over the business. Right? right. And so for us in 23 and 24, it's all about mastery. We want to become the best at what we do. We do a very good job. I think um, I'm proud of our company. I'm proud of our results. We have phenomenal people. They work their tail off. We have great processes. And as we talked about good tech, um, but that said, there's another gear. And so I'm really excited for our company to evolve there. Our view is if we develop mastery at what we do and we're known for this very narrow um, expertise, yep. that the market will be the path to our door. We won't have to market our company. Um, we're known as back to in and out Like if you want a decent cheeseburger, you go to in and out right. So um, if you want great apartment management, you're going to come to, to Sullivan, which um, I want to share. We're really excited. We're rebranding our company. Nice. So we're launching that in, in just about three weeks. So our new company name is Fairgrove Property Management. Nice. It's purely a DBA, but uh, we just wanted a brand that was more holistic, allowed us to scale. Um, back to our earlier comment of always being asked, like, who's Sullivan or what's Sullivan? Right. It was just innocent the way that we scaled. But now having... Um, grown the business and bought a few other management companies along the way. Um, we're excited to have a new umbrella, Fairgrove Property Management. And so um, anyway, wanted to share that. That's great. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, it's just great congratulations on, on all your success. And, you know, I wish you, Sullivan, now Fairgrove, um, continued success in everything. And it's been great getting to know you personally and in business. And it's really been... Um, you know, it's just been a, a real pleasure to to do business. And I think our clients and the brokers and the market and everyone else who's been on that side of the business, who's been working with you, echoes that same same fashion and um, yeah. same comments. Yeah, we're not perfect. Property management is not a game of perfect, to be clear. Um, but I want you to know that we're as well-intentioned as, as ever, and, and we're right. trying to get it right every day. I wanted to say thanks to you. Michael Dirk, you've um, from day one, you understood what um, I was trying to do. And um, one of our very first calls, I was I was really um, trying to design, you know, this this ride that that we're on now. And um, you got it immediately. And um, I just really appreciate everything you've done. The other piece is um, you're so consistent, like in our industry and um, you just uh, you have such a positive outlook. And that's really what 
you know, I think over the next couple of years, um, we'll need. And um, the way that you've been successful over the years, that will not change. Like that will always, you, you will always get the outputs. I appreciate uh, it. Because of your effort. So Thank you. Yeah. I, that means a lot. And I owe a lot to my team too. My yeah. team's behind me every day, thick and thin, great brokers, you know, great, great management companies like yourself really help us overall. Yeah. It's a platform we build for our clients. It's just not you know, one lone chief out there. We really yeah. need everyone involved to make a successful business all the way around. So that's what it takes. And so thank you for being on another great episode of Show Me the Money. Show and Me the Money. Yes. So thank I you. can't thank you enough for being there. Yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed. This is some priceless, priceless knowledge from a veteran in the industry here that is really uh, taking, thing, taking the bull by the horns and really pioneering everything in this industry to make things better for the clients, which really at the end of the day, managing assets and especially apartment buildings is very critical. Marco has it down pat. So his company and his team are excellent. Highly recommend they use them. So I think that's everything we have. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone.